So last week we talked about Chewbacca. So this week, naturally, we'll talk about guilt, shame, and vulnerability. Um, those are actually not related at all. Um, but last week I was lucky enough to have Jesse help me prepare. This week, um, Laura actually helped me prepare which is nice because it takes some of the burden off me, but also um, we get more points of view than just mine. Um, So if you want to open your Bibles, you can turn to Psalm 51. We'll come to this a little later. Or if you find yourself getting distracted, you can just peruse that while we start. Um, So I was talking to Laura, and she's been reading a book that, that talks about guilt, shame, and vulnerability. Um, But the book tends to skew a little secular, so I thought it might be interesting to see what the Bible has to say about these three things and how they relate to each other. Um, So, first let's take a look at guilt and shame. Um, They're often used interchangeably, um, but there is a difference. And simply put, um, guilt is, I did something bad. Um, In the Bible, we call that sin. Um, Shame is, I am bad, um, to to contrast the two. Um, But let's stay first with with guilt, um, because guilt is pretty simple as far as the concept goes. Um, In our legal system, it can be subjective and elusive, um, but biblically, it's pretty cut and dry. Um, Guilt is the result of sin. If you sin, you're guilty, and we all do this. Um, The Bible tells us so. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So guilt is fairly, you know, easy to to grasp. We've all done it. We've all sinned. We're all guilty. Um, And also in Ecclesiastes 7.20, we see, Indeed, there is no one on earth who is righteous, no one who does what is right and never sins. So, everybody sins, everybody has guilt. Um, But guilt can have a positive influence. Guilt itself isn't positive, um, but what guilt can do is it measures the distance between us and God. Um, God does not sin, we do. So, there's the big gap um, that we see. It measures the distance between us. In some cases, it's more of a tape measure than it is a ruler, or sometimes it's more of an odometer. Um, But seeing this distance between us and God um, shows us how dependent we are on God. Um, He has perfection, we do not. Um, And the antidote for guilt is Christ. Christ closes this gap that guilt measures. Um, And so that's, that's pretty cut and dry. Um, then we come to shame. Shame is part of the human experience. We all experience this. Um, unless you're a soci- sociopath, that's part of the definition. Um, but unlike guilt, shame has a destructive effect on our relationship um, with God and with other people. Um, because shame is something that comes between us and Christ and his forgiveness. Um, and the very first time we see shame is with uh, original sin. Um, it's the first time we see guilt. Um, in Genesis 3, we see, um, When the woman saw the fruit of the tree, 
was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom. She took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. Here we have sin. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. Guilt. And guess what comes next? Um, So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool, dry day, and they hid from the Lord among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Uh, Shame causes us to hide from God. Um, We avoid him. And our purpose um, for being is to have a relationship with God and with others. And so shame prevents us from from doing that. It's it's just the opposite. Um, And we see just the extent of how destructive shame can be um, with David in Second Samuel 11, um, David gets Bathsheba pregnant. So what does he do? First, he tries to hide the fact by bringing her husband home and getting him to sleep with her. So hopefully they'll think that the, the baby is from her husband. Um, that doesn't work. So what does David do? Um, he gets him killed. Um, this is a case where shame, you know, leads to murder. Um, and then finally the prophet Nathan comes and accuses David um, and what's David's reaction we see it in 2 Samuel 12 13 um, then David said to Nathan I have sinned against the Lord Nathan replied the Lord has taken away your sin you are not going to die um, and also I want to give points to David here for not blaming the woman Adam when he sinned he, first thing he did was blame Eve um, David owns up to it. But here we see David confesses, and Nathan says, you know, the Lord has taken away your sin. Um, that's, um, that's pretty cut and dry, and it seems easy. Just like that, his sin is gone. Now, there are consequences to David's sin, um, but his guilt is gone. And I think... Um, he experiences a lot of shame after this. And this, um, we see this in Psalm 51, um, where David not only confesses his guilt, but he asks the Lord to renew him. Um, so if, if confession and repentance overcomes sin and guilt, what overcomes shame? Uh, that's the question. And um, at first I thought, okay, well, the opposite of shame is pride. And it really isn't. They're sort of flip sides of the same coin. Um, you can think of shame as what happens when pride goes wrong. Um, when you have the expectation that comes with pride, when that expectation doesn't work out, we feel shame. Um, and both shame and pride sort of prevent us from having a relationship with God and with each other because we, we tend to lean on our independence. Um, so the way to overcome shame is through vulnerability. Um, and vulnerability is not, it's not a cure for shame. It's more of an antidote. It, it treats it and it gives us resistance to, to shame. Um, but it, it doesn't take it completely away. Um, 
and I think to vulnerability—excuse <coughs> me—vulnerability <coughs> is not weakness, um, but admitting weakness can be part of it. Um, so, what is vulnerability? Um, we see a great example of this in Psalm 51, um, verse 10. David says, "Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me." Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors your ways so that sinners will turn back to you. Here we see David admits that he needs God for restoration and change. Um, He's not just turning over a new leaf, but he's relying on God to make him a different person. Um, have you ever seen or heard of the show My Name is Earl? It's, it's a secular show. It's based on a man's misconception of what karma is. But the premise of the show is he makes a list of everything that he's done wrong um, and then seeks to make amends for it. And what's interesting about this is that the list is more or less confession. But the fact that he seeks to make amends for it um, is where he displays vulnerability. Um, and, you know, in some cases he makes amends, people forgive him, in other cases people don't forgive him, but that's, that's how it works, but that's um, part of the vulnerability. In most cases, um, again, the show is fiction, but um, he, he creates a strong relationship with the person that he's wronged. And in many cases, that person is now a better person for it. Um, So it's an example of vulnerability and sort of the strength that's in it. Um, And then also vulnerability, it means different things, but something it doesn't mean is oversharing or telling your darkest secrets to strangers or all letting it all hang out. this can sort of be an act of desperation, and it can even be attention-seeking. Um, vulnerability is, um, you know, admitting your weakness, but to those close to you and to God and, and seeking strength from, from God and from others. Um, in James 5.16, um, we see um, this. Is any among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And so here we see that we need not only God, but we need others. We need our, you know, brothers and sisters in faith, our congregation. Um, we can't do it alone. Um, and this is, again, vulnerability. And so um, then there's the question, is, is God vulnerable? Um, yes. Um, he's not weak, but he, he's made himself vulnerable. Um, and he gives us examples of his vulnerability that we can um, imitate us. 
Um, God's vulnerability is in that he gave us free will. We have the ability to reject him. He seeks a relationship with us. His vulnerability is that we can ignore him. Um, Also, grace is vulnerability. Um, He extends um, good things to us that we don't deserve, um, that we may or may not give back to him. Um, There's a sermon by Tim Keller uh, about the gifts of Christmas, and he says this, There is no way to have a real relationship without becoming vulnerable to hurt. And Christmas tells us that God became breakable and fragile. God became someone we could hurt. Why? To get us back. If you believe this and take it into your life, you're blessed. As you take in the truth of what he did for you, how loved and affirmed you are, you will be able to let down your defenses in your own relationships with other people. You won't always need to guard your honor. You'll be able to let barriers down. You'll be able to move into intimate relationships with other people. Um, And then the rest of this part I'm going to read. This was something that Laura wrote. And I'm saying this not as a disclaimer, but um, more to give credit where credit's due. Um, She has some good ideas here, and um, (laughs) she should get the credit for it. Um, So let me read. Um, In order to call ourselves Christians and invite Christ into our lives, we need to admit our own brokenness. We need to become vulnerable in front of others, in front of God, in front of others, and admit that we're not perfect, that we are flawed, that we hurt, and that we hurt others, and that if we think otherwise, we, are symbolic, we symbolically continue to reach for the forbidden fruit and push ourselves away from God and away from true human connection. To admit that we need him isn't weakness, it's truth, and it's human. On Palm Sunday, and throughout the story of the Passion, Christ's vulnerability is front and center. Jesus rides into Jerusalem on a donkey, a symbol of peace, and the crowd shout, Hosanna, literally meaning, save now, and son of David. But he knew full well that within a few days, those same crowds would be shouting, crucify him. His life and safety was placed in the hands of his friends, those he should have been able to trust the most, only to be met with betrayal, and his death would come in one of the most shameful ways culturally at the time, by being crucified on a cross like a criminal. This example of ultimate vulnerability, with the purpose of connecting all of creation with the Creator once again, a huge risk on God's part to become human, to take on a body that can be wounded, and he risks still his children turning away from him in spite of this love. But vulnerability, again, isn't weakness. It's acknowledging that life is messy and learning how to navigate the ups and downs. It's messy and learning how to navigate the ups and downs. It's being patient when you don't know what the answer is. It's forgiveness. It's living in grace. It's putting yourself out there and risking not being accepted or risking emotional exposure. It's knowing that you're worthy of being loved, even if someone else says otherwise. It's messing up and starting again. It's saying you're sorry. It's repenting and repenting again. The thing about being vulnerable with God is that, unlike human relationships, we already know we are accepted. We already know we are loved. We already know he loves us so much. He would die for us. God risks us turning away from him, but God will not turn away from us.
Let's close in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you um, for your Son and for salvation. And Lord, thank you that we don't have to be perfect on our own. Um, thank you that, that Christ intercedes for us and closes the gap between um, us and you. Lord, help us to follow your example of vulnerability. Um, help us to to seek help from you and from others and help us to um, love others even when they may not love us back. Um, Lord, thank you for your word. Um, thank you that we can come here together um, to study it. Um, and please, Lord, help us to remember it as we continue through our week. Amen.